Well, good morning, Northies. It's great to be with you again this week. We're uh, continuing our series of silence, solitude and Sabbath. And uh, we're around about the middle point, um, which is a great place to be for this message because um, in many ways, today's message is the center point of the series. If we if we miss this bit, everything else kind of falls apart and, and, and doesn't mean anything. So today we're going to focus on this. And I think by the time I get to the end, you'll understand what I mean. So last week, Samuel spoke uh, about Sabbath rest and shared one of my favorite all-time verses, which is Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. And it talks about the mystery of God's plan or God's mysterious plan. Uh, he read out in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. And uh, if we go to the New Living Translation, which I'm going to be using mostly today, it puts it this way. And I love the way it puts it. It says, this is the plan. At the right time, he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and everything on earth. And uh, another time, Paul says that it was God's pleasure that Jesus should have preeminence in all things. And so we've been doing a Zoom uh, a Zoom study in our life group on the book of Ephesians, and it's loosely based on Watchman Nee's book, Sit, Walk, Stand. And in the book, Nee, nee puts it like this. The Christian life from start to finish is based on this principle of utter dependence on the Lord Jesus. There's no limit to the grace God is willing to bestow upon us. He will give us everything. But we uh, we can receive none of it except as we rest in him. Sitting is an attitude of rest. Something has been finished, work stops, and we sit. It's paradoxical but true that the only way we advance in the Christian life uh, is as we learn, first of all, to sit down. In other words, to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So our challenge as believers is not just to find moments of rest in order to recharge, but to live from a place of rest. So we're going we're gonna to come around our key verse today. But before we do, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your gift of your son. Lord, we pray today as uh, as we, we look upon the words that Jesus himself spoke, Lord, that you would speak to us again, fresh in them. Lord, that they would open our hearts, open our minds and open our understanding uh, to your to your plan and to your purpose. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So we come to our, our verse for, our key verse for today, and it's found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 27 to 30. Now, in the original, it was 28 to 30, but I wanted to throw in the, first, the, the verse just before because it, it kind of ties into that verse in Ephesians. And uh, in verse 27, Jesus says, My Father has entrusted everything or all things to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my the burden I give you is light. This is, in many ways, this is Jesus declaring himself. This is Jesus playing his hand. This is uh, Jesus actually revealing the mystery. In fact, the word mysterion is the Greek word we get the, 
this word in the Bible that's translated mystery, it's, it doesn't mean mystery like we think in, in our modern context. We think of a mystery as we don't know what the answer is, but we'll find out later on. But in fact, the Greek word means something that was once hidden, but has now been revealed. And so here is Jesus, and he's revealing himself. You know, uh, up until this time, for the Jews especially, they come to the law and their salvation was from the law. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm giving you a new command. I'm giving you a new concept. I'm bringing a new plan. Come to me and take my yoke upon you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You know, some people really do carry heavy burdens, and you can see it in their face, and you can see it uh, in their demeanor. Sometimes you can see it in their speech and their weariness. And Jesus is saying to those ones, you guys who are carrying a heavy load, come to me, I will give you rest. He then says, take my yoke upon you. So it's not just enough to come to Jesus. There's this sense where we take his yoke upon us. He he places something upon us that identifies us as being his. And and the reality is is simply this that we are we are no Christian unless we are his. Unless we are completely his, unless we've taken that yoke upon ourselves. Uh, it's very difficult for us to claim to be true um, people that follow Christ with our whole heart. Jesus goes on to say, learn of me, for I am humble and gentle at heart, and then you will find rest for my soul. This was God's mysterious plan. And we see Isaiah looking forward. It's like he's looking prophetically and he sees the right time and he calls it out. And this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable or, or in, unsearchable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those that wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up as with eagles' wings. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and they will not become weary. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's not going to show us a plan. He's not going to give us four steps. He's not going to do something else, some sort of strategy. He just says, come to me. So the second thing, the first thing was that, that, that Sabbath rest is, is, is not a, a day. It's not a, it's not a moment. It's not a, a, a practice. It's, it's a person and the person of Jesus. And um, a couple of weeks ago, Re shared the story of Matthew 8, 23 to 27. You remember it was when they crossed over the lake and Jesus was asleep in the boat. And uh, this is really a, this is a teaching moment. Jesus said, remember, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Another translation says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Well, this was a teaching moment. And so just reading from verse 18 to begin, because it gives us the context. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Uh, spoiler in brackets, this is the secret. Jesus said, boys, we're going over to the other side of the lake. And halfway across, they got a bit nervous because of the wind and the waves. But Jesus was asleep because his word to them was, we are going over to the other side. 
And so Jesus got into the boat and they started across with his disciples and they would have been rowing because that's the nature of the Galilean fishing boat. It had a funny little small sail and six oars and they all rowed. And when the wind was contrary, they rode harder. And uh, round about the time Jesus was uh, well into his nap, they were rowing particularly hard and water was coming into the boat. And the disciples went and woke him shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded, he said, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Now, it's easy to think that Jesus is rebuking the disciples in this matter because of their faith, but that's not what he intended to do. He simply was saying to them, he's responding to them, why are you so anxious? You don't have much faith. And then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. So for the disciples, for the wind and the waves, they were the enemy at this point in time. But for the disciples, this was a teaching moment for them. And we're going to find out what that teaching moment is right now. Because then Jesus got up and he said to the, the disciples were amazed. And they said, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? So this is a teaching moment. This is Jesus pulling back the veil, pulling back the cloak you know, like opening his jacket and going, ta-da, and then closing his jacket up again, giving them a glance of his, his glorious being to the point where they just went, what? Who is this guy? And uh, Jesus wants to give us that. He wants us to teach. Uh, he wants to teach us that so that when we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, we're not looking for a moment to rest. We're not looking for someone to save us. We're already in contact with the Savior. We already know who's going to deliver us. Jesus' Jesus' objective here was not to berate the disciples for their lack of faith. Uh, his, his objective was to open their eyes to who he is. And this is the crucial point for this whole series. You see, when it comes to solitude, silence and Sabbath, without the waiting on the Lord component, solitude is merely isolation. Solitude is having no one around. Silence is just the absence of sound. Now, you might say, well, you know, silence is a good thing. Well, sometimes it is. If you've had ratty kids whinging and crying all day, when they go to sleep, that sound of silence is perfection. But when you call around to see your friend and you're really looking forward to seeing them and you knock on the door, that sound of silence, not so great. Silence is just the absence of sound. And a Sabbath day, well, a Sabbath day is just a day off. But see, put the Lord into the mix by intentionally waiting on him and, and solitude becomes a moment where you can draw near to him for one and one time and just let him give you rest for your soul. But more than that, let him uh, enlarge who you are. Let him blow your mind. Silence is a place where uh, in that stillness he can speak to you. He can uh, give you wisdom, revelation, direction, encouragement. And, uh, and the Sabbath becomes a place where he can strengthen you and heal you. Put the Lord in the mix and waiting on him, uh, by intentionally waiting on him, and, and solitude, silence, and Sabbath become revelation, direction, strengthening, deliverance, and healing. You can see why this is the center of the whole thing, why this is so important. And, uh, you know, as someone who's been a Christian for a long time, and um, I... I you know, there's some guys working at um, Josh's house this week, and they look particularly old to be doing that kind of work uh, until I found out that they were 10 years younger than me. 
and uh, that really hit home. So as someone who's been around for a while and has seen things come and go and come and go and come and go, the only thing that stays the same as far as being a Christian concern, is concerned is Jesus. And, and he's the important one. And, and all these other things will come and they'll help and they'll play a part. But it's Jesus that makes the difference. So uh, with the time I've got left, I want to look at three things that Jesus gives us to help our souls find rest. Okay, three things that the Bible says that he gives us that will help our soul find rest. The first one is peace. In Romans 5.1 it says, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Uh, he gives us peace. Because we've come to God and we come to know God and we be, become accepted by God, there's a peace that settles in our heart and that's meant to be the umpire for everything that we do. And, you know, I, the people that I find that don't have peace almost always don't have peace with God. They're struggling. They're struggling. You know, am I worthy of this salvation? Well, no, none of us are. Am I good enough? Folks, if we had to gather all of the congregation of Northies in one place and we rang as we rang as much goodness out of them as we could possibly get, there wouldn't be enough goodness amongst a whole lot of us to go anywhere near making it worthwhile. We can never be good enough. We can never be worthy enough. And that's the, that's the good news in a nutshell, that God uh, made us right with him by what Jesus has done. And so that brings about a peace. So our starting place... It's not uh, turmoil. It's not. It's not emptiness. It's not weariness. Our starting place is fullness and peace that comes from knowing the Lord. The second thing that He gives us is power. In Acts uh, one eight, it says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you." And I just want to highlight one thing that's in a quite a familiar verse, but you may not have read the second part of the verse, or or have remembered the second part of verse. Quite as much as you remember the first part. And when I say, when I begin to quote it, you'll know the verse. It's Isaiah 54, 17. It says, but the day is coming when no weapon turned against you will succeed or no weapon formed against you will prosper. And we all know that. We've heard the songs. We know that verse. But the second line says this, and you will silence, you will silence, not, not me, you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These are the benefits enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. God gives us power to silence the voices that drive us. You know, if we're if we're living in a in a in a harried state where we feel like we've we've got to accomplish, we've got to accomplish, we've got to accomplish, those I can tell you now, those voices are not coming from the Lord because he comes that we might have rest in our souls. Those voices have come from other people. Those voices have come from our parents or our teachers or some guy that says you weren't good enough or some girl that says you'll never be good enough for me. And so there's this drivenness that comes into our, in our soul and it even can come into our ministry where we're, we're, we're doing things uh, to be bigger and better and, and, and more grandiose and I sometimes wonder if the objective is really to bring glory to Christ alone. Maybe there's some other things, some mixture in there. But 
But Jesus says, I'm going to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And part of that power will be the ability to silence voices. Paul says that um, the weapons of our warfare are not, are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And we silence uh, criticisms. We silence accusations. We silence arguments. We have this ability through Jesus to bring, to turn off the voices that drive us and that, uh, that bring us to a place without rest. And the last thing is purpose. Uh, in Ephesians 4, 7, uh, Paul says, uh, writes this, Now to each one of us is given grace, sorry, to each one of us grace has been given according to the measure of, uh, listen to it, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So for each one of us in the body of Christ, God has a plan, a purpose, and a, and a, a, partic- a participation that he wants us to be engaged in where his spirit works through us to, to reveal Christ to others. Um, in fact, Paul says at one time, God was pleased to reveal his son in me. And that's true of all of us. This grace that Jesus gives us is this good pleasure that God gives us to enable us to reveal his son to those around us. Uh, and, and a verse I think I quoted last time, Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance as, uh, as our way of life. When we walk in our purpose, we are being borne along by God's grace. It's his power. It's his gift. It's his favor that he prepared in advance for us to enable us to do what he's called to do. And, you know, you've experienced times when you've walked in the grace of, of, of God and, and it's just been so easy. It's just been so easy. And, and more and more, we've got to find ourselves walking in that place uh, of the grace where it's easy and finding others who can walk in the pla- who can easily walk in the place that we find hard. So let, let, let's sum it up. Jesus said, my father's entrusted everything, everything to me, everything, everything. He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If there's something worth having, Jesus has been given it that he might give it to you and to me. So he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will take those burdens. I'll roll those burdens off. In fact, uh, Peter says later in the Bible, he says, roll over off onto Christ all your, all your burdens, all your cares. Roll them off onto him. He'll take them from you, and in exchange, he will give you rest in your soul. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. How do I know Jesus was rebuking the storm, but only speaking to the disciples? Because that's his nature. He's humble. He's gentle at heart. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And that's the burden that he gives to us, the light burden. And you will find rest for your souls. Jess shared this verse with us a couple of weeks ago, but she she shared it from the message translation. And there's one little phrase in there that I want to I want to pull out. It says, "Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it." Remember, Jesus said, "Learn of me. Come to me. Learn of me. Take take my yoke upon you. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it." And listen to it. Learn the unforced rhythms 
of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You see, if we're living in the unforced rhythms of grace, and this is the point that Jess was making, it's easy. It's easy. There's no striving. There's no difficulty. There's no urgency. There's just this rhythm of grace where God's power and God's favor and God's anointing is on us and, uh, and, and causes us to not only be successful, but to cause us to walk out that, that calling and that anointing from a place of rest. So summing up, everything that God gives us come from a place of rest. We receive nothing from Christ, but first that we rest in him and we rest in what God's done uh, th- for us through him. Totally free, totally of grace. Nothing for us to do but to say, Jesus, I'm trusting you. So my question today is, have you mastered the art of learning first to sit down and rest on the finished work of Jesus? I I would encourage you when you've got something to do at work, just take a breath and rest on the finished work of Jesus so that you're not trying to attempt to do it from a place of harriedness and pressure. The second thing is that rest, Sabbath rest is not a, not a pursuit, it's a person. Have you recognized Jesus as the one we're seated with in the heavenly places? Number three, we can find rest even in the midst of the storm. That was the lesson from, from that passage that Jesus was teaching us. Have you considered how we find rest even when a storm is raging around us? You see, we will not always have the capacity or the opportunity for Sabbath rest. Sometimes we won't have silence. And we've got to find something for God's glory in the midst of that turmoil. We need to be able to find rest in the midst of the storm. Amen. And not and not just depend on the little quiet box, the little quiet day. We need to be able to find him wherever we are. We need to be able to find rest even when the storm is raging all around us. And Jesus gives us peace, power and purpose purpose to help us find rest can we ask Jesus today to help us help us to master living from that place of peace help us to use his power to still the voices that drive us and manipulate us and help us to learn to walk out work walk out our calling in the unforced rhythms of grace let's pray today father in Jesus name we thank you for the power and the peace and the purpose that Jesus has given us as part of your great plan. Lord, you gave it all to him and he's given it all to us that we might bring you glory in what we do. And, uh, and, I, and I love what Paul goes on to say in Ephesians. The master plan was that so we would be, we would exist for the glory of God. And Father, we pray today that as we continue to pursue this uh, series in in um, silence, solace and Sabbath, Lord, that you would cause us to be ones that live for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.